It's episode 75 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. In this jam-packed edition, who was eliminated first in the AFC North for playoffs? What local colleges have been faring well in college basketball? How about some high school hockey, basketball, and wrestling updates? Who's been voted off the G-Walk Island? That and so much more on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. Did I mention that this is the first Monday episode being released since, um, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the last time, but uh, no sickness, nothing on the calendar today. It's time to record the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Also, please bear with me and my voice. I have no idea why it's so deeper. I don't know. Maybe I'm finally hitting puberty, you know, at age 30. Let's start off with the Cincinnati Bengals. They are the first team in the AFC North to be eliminated from playoff contention. If you told me the Bengals would be the first team before the season began... I probably would have laughed at your face. But Cleveland's playing a lot better since Greg Williams took over as head coach. Baker Mayfield has been the spark to get the Cleveland Browns going off the right foot. In fact, their last loss was to a very good Kansas City Chiefs team, if I'm remembering right. And the Bengals had a great start. I thought, hey, we might actually win a playoff game this year. And now we're not even going to be playing in the playoffs. Hooray. The Bengals did defeat the Oakland Raiders, a game that I thought Oakland would come in and win, just because, you know, that's been kind of the style of the last few games. But the Bengals did defeat the Raiders 30-16 to to improve to 6-8 and on the season. And Mixon has, in his first time in the career, back-to-back 100 rushing yard games. 30-16, Bengals won, but because the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the New England Patriots 17-10, I was very surprised how sharp the Steelers' defense looked against Tom Brady and the Patriots. The Bengals are eliminated. The Bengals had a halftime lead of 20-7. And the Raiders would get nine points. Bengals would score ten the fourth quarter to hold off the three and eleven Raiders. Tough year for Oakland, and now they might be without a home for 2019 before their move to Las Vegas. Again, if you're a fan of Urinating Tree, you've probably seen the Raiders video talking about the franchise. It's kind of sad. I mean. I know it's self-inflicted getting rid of Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. By the way, excluding yesterday's game, how about those Cowboys? We'll go over the NFL scores. Uh, Monday Night Football is tonight, of course. As it'll be New Orleans at Carolina. Panthers lost four straight by seven points or fewer. They're kind of teetering around the playoff elimination line. Thursday night, how about those Chargers? They defeat Kansas City on the road, 29-28. First playoff berth for Los Angeles since 2013 when they were in San Diego. Both Los Angeles and Kansas City 11-3 with the one-point win for the Chargers. Texans defeat the New York Jets, 29-22. Just the third time in franchise history, Houston has won 10-plus games in a season. Cleveland knocks off Denver on the road. First win against the Broncos since 1990. That's been a while. Browns 17, Denver 16. Falcons edge out the Cardinals 40-14. to Tevin Coleman with 145 rushing yards, which is a career high. Ravens peck out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-12. to 
and Lamar Jackson improves to form one as a starter. He is the future of Baltimore football. Buffalo edges out Detroit 14 to 13 at home with Robert Foster of the Bills recording 108 receiving yards and a touchdown. Chicago picks up the NFC North title, their first since 2010, with a 24-17 win over Green Bay and the Packers. That is pretty dynamite for the Bears. Drabinsky's looking pretty sharp. That defense for Chicago is quite scary. And Green Bay's on the edge or possibly already eliminated from playoff contentions. Told you Bengals defeated the Raiders 30-16 to on pretty empty house at Paul Brown Stadium. Fans are now starting to let Mike Brown know what they think of the Bengals with their wallets, which means shutting them up and not going to Bengals games. Indianapolis shuts out the Cowboys 23 to nothing. Both Indianapolis and Dallas 8-6. and six. And the Cowboys have been shut out for the first time since week 11, 2003. That's also been a while. Washington wins at Jacksonville 16-13 Redskins on top with Dustin Hopkins hitting the game-winning field goal to give Washington their seventh one of the year. Miami falls on the road to the Vikings, 41-17. And Minnesota picks up their first win against Miami since 2002. Lots of historical monuments just breaking down this week. Tennessee shuts out the Giants on the road, 17-0 for the Titans. And Derrick Henry picks up his sixth rushing touchdown in his last two games. Outstanding. In overtime, San Francisco edges out Seattle 26-23. And the first win over the Seahawks since week 14 of 2013. That's also been a while, and I think that was the Colin Kaepernick era of the 49ers. Mentioned Pittsburgh defeated New England at Heinz Field 17-10. And for the first time since 2002, the Patriots have lost two straight in December. And Philadelphia knocks off the Los Angeles Rams on the road 30-23. to Rams have lost two straight for the first time since 2016. And the Eagles are now 7-7 seven and seven on this season. That's your look at the NFL scores. I have missed giving you football scores, but since high school football has crowned state champs, there kind of isn't. And... If I did basketball scores for both boys and girls, we would be here all day. And I'm sure you don't want to be here all day with yours truly. So now what? Now what for the Bengals? What went wrong after that strong start? That was a close game that Cincinnati could have beat Pittsburgh at home, and now they have the wonderful task of going to Heinz Field, which I expect to be a Steelers win. What went wrong? And no, don't just blame injuries. You gotta fill people in. You're not just like, oh, well, I can't put 11 players on the field. I guess I'll go with eight, you know, because that'll be fantastic. I, I don't know. I mean, that's the first win for the Bengals in several games. I feel like it's been a century since Cincinnati won. I know I'm being pessimistic and a little, (laughs) a little bit stretchy here, but I'll be blunt. I was expecting big things from this Bengals team. And the only highlight of the year has been listening to Dan Horde call play-by-play and Dave Lapham on color. I do like listening to the Bengals games on radio, and I still do every Sunday when I can. It's just, when when are the Bengals going to get the wonderful taste of a playoff win? Again, the last playoff win for Cincinnati was 1990 against the Houston Oilers, who have since moved to Nashville and renamed themselves the Titans. And Houston since has got a team in the Texans, which has beat Cincinnati a couple times in the playoffs as well, like the New York Jets have and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I still can't believe we lost that game those years ago. Just watching it on Twitter and just seeing the updates from the sad tweets from the Steelers and the happy tweets from the Bengals and then... Those personal fouls, and it kind of flip-flopped, and the Steelers came out on top. I still can't believe that happened. Now what? Do you get a new head coach for Cincinnati? I mean, 
it's been reports saying if Marvin Lewis does step down, here comes Hugh Jackson. And really, Hugh Jackson's best year was with the Raiders, I believe. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. They missed the playoffs, but they clean-swept the AFC West, which was pretty remarkable. But you might remember Hugh Jackson being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, especially last year when they went 0-16. Be the second team going 0-16 after the 2008 Detroit Lions. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for the Bengals. I certainly hope it's a lot better than what this season's brought, but Andy Dalton got hurt. Driscoll's done okay. I don't think he's a long-term future for the Bengals, but what do you do in the draft? You're kind of middle of the road right now, so you can't even be tanking for tanking's sake. I believe the Cardinals have the first pick at 3-11. and Then you have a couple other teams, Raiders in that mix too. But where do you go from here? What are your big needs? I feel like offensive line, defensive line need to be touched up. If you're thinking about a quarterback, I mean, I still am a little upset that A.J. McCarron never got a wholehearted shot at Cincinnati. I know Andy Dalton's an all right quarterback, but I don't know if McCarron's still with the Raiders or not. He was traded to Buffalo, or he signed with Buffalo, then traded to the Raiders. Josh Allen's done okay with Buffalo. I think it's a bright spot for him with the Bills. I don't know what's next for the Bengals. I really don't. The Browns' future looks a lot brighter right now compared to Cincinnati. Like I mentioned, the Browns, it's still a long shot, but they can still get in the playoffs. They'll need to win their next two games, and Baltimore needs to lose their next two games, which it's Ravens and Browns last week of the season. Also need a little help, and they need a tie. They need Indianapolis and Tennessee to tie their last game of the year, which uh it's happened a couple times. I still can't believe there's been a lot of ties this year. By a lot, I mean a couple. Minnesota, Green Bay, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. So I guess that's two ties, which, wow, two, that's a lot. But considering it's football, yeah, that is a lot. So where do you go from here if you're the Bengals? I wish I had a clue, but I don't. Knowing Marvin Lewis's tenure with the Bengals, I expect to see him as head coach in 2019, especially since he's now the defensive coordinator as well after Terrell Austin got canned. I don't know what to expect for next year. I hope the future's promising, but we'll see. We'll see. And now for something completely positive. College basketball. Since there's six Division One teams, and I'm talking about both basketball teams and a couple other teams to boot... This is going to stick with Division One for now. In future episodes, we'll talk about the non-Division One schools. There are a lot of them. I think there's 24 squads in Cincinnati and Dayton and Northern Kentucky that field college basketball. So yeah, that would be a while. We'll start off with Wright State as the Raiders are 5-6 and six for men's basketball after defeating NAIA foe Northwestern Ohio 91-52. The Raiders have lost... Their last few games against Division One foes. Their last D1 win was at home against North Florida. Did have a couple chances. Was up five late against Kent State. And then the Golden Flashes pulled away for their sixth straight win. I know Jalen Hall's out for the year for the Raiders. But I'm really hoping that these experiences help turn out to be a great Horizon League experience. Raiders need to win the Horizon League tournament to get to the big dance. Like I mentioned, 5-6 and six overall. And their last win coming against NAIA foe Northwestern Ohio. Great second half for the Raiders. And I believe it was Alex Neff. Hope it's the right Neff brother. But he got a chance. He's a walk-on for the Raiders. He got a chance to play. And he hit a big basket for the 91-52 Raider win. Next up for Wright State, this Tuesday, the Raiders host Moorhead State. And then they'll make the trip to Mississippi State on Saturday. I say they'll make the trip because it seems like Mississippi State has had the grand tour of Southwest Ohio. They beat Dayton. They beat Cincinnati recently. And now they'll host Wright State. 
The women are having a great year. They're eight and three on the season after their 83-53 win over Division II foe Kentucky State. The women's basketball Raiders will be at Charlotte on Tuesday and then won't play again until the 28th of the month when they'll head to Indianapolis to take on IUPUI. The Raiders women's basketball team has two trophies to their name with the Nashville Tourney with Wright State defeating Hofstra 93-64, Stenson 57-44, and Marist 76-60. And also the Manhattan Tourney Trophy is at Wright State with wins over Drexel 71-63 and the host Jasper 60-44. So women's basketball for Wright State doing some incredible work, but that's still that little hurdle of Green Bay's reign over the Horizon League women's basketball side that needs to be knocked down. I'm excited to see what these Raiders can do. And Coach Merriweather has them playing quite well. So that's your look at Wright State as we make the short trip from WSU to UD, the Dayton Flyers. The men are 5-5 five and five after falling to Tulsa, 72-67 yesterday. The Flyers will host Western Michigan on Wednesday, Presbyterian on Saturday as the Flyers have looked much better from last year. I mean, Ryan Mikesell's comeback after his injured season, that's a big boost. Josh Cunningham, heck of a player for the Flyers and in the A-10. And Obi Toppin, that guy's a stud. I just, coming off the bench, it brings so much electricity for Anthony Grant and the Flyers. The women's basketball Flyers are 4-5 and five on the year. A tough start to the season, but they have won their last two against Buffalo. And they also picked up a win against Evansville, 69-30. to Next up, the West Palm Beach Tourney. And the Flyers get a taste of Tech as Virginia Tech's up first, then Georgia Tech. And that starts this Thursday with the game against the Jackets of Georgia Tech on Friday. Now we'll make the trip from Dayton to Oxford, Ohio, the Miami Redhawks. The men's basketball team, 6-5 and five at this point. They fell in a close game to Northern Kentucky, 72-66, which snapped a three-game winning streak. That includes an 88-57 win over NAIA foe Wilberforce. The rival win over Wright State on a buzzer beater, 65-62, and a win over Purdue-Fort Wayne, 85-79. The Redhawks have South Carolina State coming in on Thursday and Evansville on the 30th of the month. The women Redhawks are doing quite well as they're 7 and 2 on the year falling to Florida A&M by a point 70 make it 57-56. The ever loss was at Louisville by the way for Megan Duffy and the Redhawks. Miami's got Jacksonville State on the road on Tuesday and then hosting Division II Ohio Dominicans Saturday the 29th. By the way, Red Hawks hockey is doing quite well. They're ranked number 16 in the USCHO.com poll. 9-6-3 on the year are the Red Hawks. They drew twice with number one St. Cloud State at home. That's pretty darn dynamite. The Red Hawks are 6-2-2. and at home sweet Goggin as a host Gwelp in an exhibition on the 30th. Now we make the trip from Oxford to Cincinnati. We'll talk about the Bearcats first. The football Bearcats have the military bowl in Annapolis, Maryland on the 31st against Virginia Tech. Men's basketball, a great season for Mick Cronin and the Cats, but they fell to Mississippi State on the road 70-59. And that was Saturday night. Got to listen to Dan Horde call that game. The Bearcats will host UCLA on Wednesday, South Carolina State on Saturday. And in case I didn't mention it on the podcast, the Bearcats took the Crosstown shootout against Xavier, 62-47. The women are 7-5 and for Cincinnati. They defeated Xavier, 79-61. And I make the note, why aren't the Cincinnati-Xavier games played back-to-back? That would be quite the ticket. I mean, this year it was at Fifth Third Arena both games, but just a span of a week, maybe two. Why aren't they played back-to-back? That would be a great ticket. You know, come in, watch the women play, and then here come the men. I don't know. That would be cool, though. That's what I do, but I'm just a podcaster looking for work. 
for the women's basketball Bearcats. Howard's in town on Friday. And then American Athletic Conference play starts for the Bearcats as SMU's in town January 6, 2019. Now a short trip from the UC campus to the XU campus. The Musketeer men are 7-4 and four after their thrashing win over Eastern Kentucky, 95-77. The Musketeers will be at Missouri this Tuesday and then hosting Detroit Mercy on Friday. The women's basketball Musketeers are 7-2 and two on the year after they fell to UC 79-61 and that loss to the Bearcats snapped a five-game winning streak. Starting at the Lauren Hill tip-off classic versus Fairfield. That'd be Fairfield U, not Fairfield High School. Don't get the wrong idea there. 48-35 over the Fairfield Stags. Also including wins over Wake Forest, 62-50. Bowling Green, 65-49. An OT win over North Alabama, 94-81. And Delaware State, 80-59. The Musketeers have Alabama State on Tuesday at home at the Centa Center. And New Orleans on Saturday. And if you don't know the tale, New Orleans threatened to go D3 for all their sports, but luckily the AD had a change of heart, and they stayed with D1. Also, they have a fairly new logo. They used to have the logo that Central State has, except, you know, New Orleans colors. So yeah, privateers in town on Saturday. In our last D1 school, we make the trip over the state line, Northern Kentucky, the Norsemen's basketball team, great year so far, 9-3 and three after edging out Miami 72-66. Northern Illinois, a former MCC opponent, which would be Horizon League today, in Northern Illinois on Thursday, and then Horizon League play starts for the North IUPUI in town on the 28th. The women are 1-6 and six on the year. They fell to number 4-3 Louisville 92-59. And the Norse women will have the Friar Holiday Classic in Providence against LaSalle, the host Friars, and Pepperdine out of California. That's quite the trek for the wave to make. No, the tide. Is it the tide or is it the waves? I think it's the waves. And that's your look at the D1 schools in the Sunday area. Good starts for a lot of those squads. And then conference play begins towards the end of the year and the start of 2019. How are we already in conference play? That is ridiculous. Now we go to high school. We'll start off with my first JV hockey call, as none of the schools in Dayton have a JV squad. And there's some schools in Cincinnati that do. Moeller and St. X, to be exact. Crusaders defeated St. Xavier in the JV battle 5-1 to one to clean sweep the regular season series against the Bombers. A couple goals in the second sealed the deal as it was Brandon Mortenstrauss with the win, only allowing the one goal to Mac Doxy of St. X. <laughs> Mortenstrauss had a couple saves where he literally headbutted the puck with his goalie mask away. It was like soccer-like header style, too. It was just... <laughs> that was fantastic. I've never seen a goalie do that. That was, I don't know why I got such a kick out of it, but I did. And, and a lot of the Moeller and St. X parents appreciate my broadcast, which, by the way, if you want to watch it, it's youtube.com slash southmetrosports. It'll be up there, and you can watch it to your heart's intent. It was a lot of fun. It was seeing what the future holds for Moeller and St. X's varsity squads, because as you know, JV normally is the feeder for their program. It'll be interesting to see how St. X and Moeller do after a lot of their seniors graduate. And I've been thinking about what happens after a lot of these seniors graduate. I mean, Centerville this year, they're 4-9 currently. They have eight seniors, and one of them is Drew Schemmel, who now has, I think, 25 goals now? He had two yesterday, and... I think he said seven assists. I had eight, but he had a big, big day to Drew Schemmel. Riley Wren had a hat trick. I believe Dominic Delgingro had a hat trick, too. Had a goal that hit off the backup goalie's face mask. 
He came in relief for Elder, and it hit off his face mask and went behind him on the goal line, and that counted as a goal for Centerville. They defeated Elder 11-2. The Panthers graduate a lot of their talent the past two seasons. Elder's been a great team, but this year the Panthers, they're leaning on their young talent. It, it takes more than a day to build Rome up again, so... It's a young Panther squad, but I expect to see him back up and running. You know, maybe later this year, maybe next season. But Centerville, a couple of rough games against really tough opponents, but that helps against conference foes. Centerville right now, I believe, third or fourth in the red division. Right now it's Oxford Talawanda and St. X on top with four wins apiece, and those two squads meet up later this month. I can't wait to see that game, and it will be home-and-home home because in the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League, if you're in the same division, you have a home-and-home home with those opponents. If you're cross-division, which is red and gold, you have one game, and if you play each other more than once, then they don't count towards conference wins. So Elder, they're 2-9 and nine now. They beat Mason twice, once at... U.S. Bank Arena. It seems like U.S. Bank's hosting a lot more high school hockey games. Normally, it's just like one or two games, and I feel like there's been four already. I would love to be the broadcaster there one day. And not even just, you know, with the Cyclones. That'd be great, too. But I'm talking just to see a high school game there where an ECHL team, which is AA in minor league hockey, and Cincinnati, part of the Buffalo Sabres family now. So that'd be cool. I almost got a shot to call a game for the Beavers of Beaver Creek at Nationwide, and I was told no laptops. And we can't stream without a laptop, so that kind of blew that plan out of the water. That stunk. But what can you do? Speaking about Centerville Elks and Springboro Panthers, the two teams that call South Metro Sports home, they are doing quite well. Springboro went off to a 5-1 start. They fell to a talented and fairly tall Dublin Kaufman team, 6-2. The Rocks, which is sort for Sam Rocks, they don't just call themselves the Rocks. It's Irish-themed, as all three Dublin, Ohio high schools do. The Rocks scored four in the third to take the win, and they scored the first two goals of that third period in a span of... Was it seven seconds, or was it something a little longer than that? It They were quick. And the Rocks took it from Springboro, 6-2. to two. And the next game, the Panthers tied with Thomas Worthington, 2-2, trailing the Cardinals late. That's the high school that has the Montreal Canadiens-style jerseys. They'll be back, Thomas Worthington will. They'll take on Centerville, one of the first games of 2019 at South Metro. Can't wait to see... The Cardinals and the Elks do battle there. Centerville, like I mentioned, 4-9. and They're coming off a very strong 11-2 win over Elder. They fell in overtime to Kettering Alter the night before, 6-5. And I want to tell you, Alter really packed the rafters that Saturday. I was quite impressed. The Gold Rush, which is Alter's student section, they were there. Saw a couple of the football nights there watching the hockey team. I think Coach Barry... The head coach of the Alter Knights, I think he teaches a class at AHS. And I think he said there's extra credit for the Knights to come out and catch the game. Very, very loud. The band was there. They sounded great. The Centerville faithful turned out in large numbers, too. I was quite impressed. That game, that game was awesome. Uh, back to Drew Schemmel. He scored a goal from the neutral zone. I still don't know how he did it. Alter took the lead for the first time in the third period, 5-4. to four. Place goes nuts. I thought the hangar's roof was going to blow up. It's shaped like a hangar. That's why it's called the hangar. Actually, it's called the icebox, but it looks like an airport hangar. Anyway, Alter took the lead. I think it was Luke Dinkins scoring that goal. And then Drew Schemmel just blasts one right in front of the red line, right in front of the center line. And it's 5-5. I'm like, how did you score that? Drew Schemmel is a special offensive talent for Centerville. It was Jack Augustine scoring the OT winner for Alter about halfway through the frame. And Centerville fell in OT 6-5. to 
Last two years, when I've been calling at the Kettering Ice Arena for the Elks, they've lost both of those games. Don't blame me. I'm just a broadcaster, please. But third year calling high school hockey with Centerville and Springboro, if I'm not on the road with Centerville. And it's great to see. It's great to see familiar faces, familiar families, familiar teams. It's really nice. And I do enjoy what I do. And it's also nice to know that my career is still continuing after the folding of the Dayton Demolition and the closing of Hera Arena. Which, by the way, note to self, I'll have to look up and see if there's anyone that's explored Hera Arena lately. Which I'm not encouraging it. That's illegal. It's called breaking and entering and trespassing. Don't do it. You'll be barred from the premises and possibly criminally impounded. No, that's not the right word. Criminally charged, I guess. Impounded is if you're a car and you're trespassing, but why is a car breaking into the arena? I don't know. So normally, I don't get to talk about high school basketball, because like I mentioned, I'd be here all day if I did. But there is one school that I like to focus on, just because they had some pretty big wins after falling in the tip-off tournament they host, and that's Twin Valley South. I'm from West Alexandria. I went to Twin Valley South until halfway through 6th grade. They moved to Valley View, but Twin Valley South had a tough loss to National Trail for the TVS tip-off title. 40-31, Blazers won it. And after being held to 31, which is their lowest point total in a while, Twin Valley South ripped Valley View a 40 or <clears throat> an 84 to 49 win against the Spartans. Valley View JV defeated Twin Valley South's JV 64-19. I believe that's the score. It's 60-something-19. But Twin Valley South had five Panthers in double digits. They really came out against a Spartan squad, 84-49. And at Waynesville, 66-51. pair of non-conference games against a pair of schools with Spartans in their name. Valley View's navy and white, silver, one of those colors. And Waynesville is black and orange. Big wins for the South. And that set up a battle... For the Civil War. I don't know why it's called the Civil War, because that was about slavery and, you know, about rights. But it's called Civil War because once upon a time, Tri-County North was called Twin Valley North. They're both Panthers. They're both red and gray. Although I think if you ask them, they're called Scarlet, which, yuck. Um, Yeah, red and gray. I think North's more red and black nowadays, but you get the gist. They're same colors, same school name, uh, once upon a time, separated by, is that Primont Road where South stops and North starts? I really don't know. But it's the Battle of State Route 503, North and South. These two teams in boys basketball expected to battle for the cross-county conference crown, which also with National Trail, which does my heart Quite well, because as someone from Preble County, I like seeing the Preble County schools do well. So, South defeated North, 62-52. A big win for the West Alexandria Cats. 10 over the Lewisburg Cats. And that's three in a row. I believe South is now at National Trail tomorrow. And I think this one might count for a conference. Because, again, I think you only play once against each other in cross-county conference play. If you play twice, which South and Trail did, only one of those counts. It's like what I mentioned, Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. So yeah, big wins for Twin Valley South, beating Valley View 84-49 and Waynesville on the road 66-51. Impressive. Now let's talk about wrestling. I like wrestling. I wish I did more high school wrestling announcing, but... Coming up, I have the Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association's Holiday Tournament, my third year with the organization, and my second year at Vandalia Butler. I'm excited for this tournament. But I want to talk about the Southwest Ohio Wrestling Coaches Association. Harrison wins the whole kit and caboodle with 199 points, and just a half point better than Fairfield at 198.5. 
lots of local schools. There's 49 schools that wrestled and competed in this tournament. You can get this from thepaperlessjourney.com and look up SWOWCA, which is Southwest Ohio Wrestling Coaches Association. Harrison in first, 199. Fairfield in second, 198.5. Followed by Elder at 168. Ross, 165.5. Centerville, 159.5. Vandalia Butler, 149. Walt- Walton Verona in Northern Kentucky, 115. Princeton, 112. Ryle out of Kentucky. The Raiders, 110. And rounding up the top 10, Lakota East, 104.5. I love seeing the local wrestling tournaments. Like I mentioned, I wish I could do more local wrestling. And hopefully next week I can have an episode dedicated to the Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association Tournament. Last year had 48 teams, and they're separated by big schools, small schools. Lots of local schools. We have Buford come in from Georgia. They are quite the wrestling program. Graham, they are the team to be. They are a legend in terms of local high school wrestling. So, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what that tournament brings. In this uh, tournament, the Southwest Ohio Wrestling Coaches Association, the SWOWCA, as I'm going to call it. I'll just call it the WOW. I'm sure you'll know what I mean. I think all but one school is from the Cincinnati, Dayton, Northern Kentucky area. And the only one I question, if I can find it once again, Mount Vernon. I think that's Columbus. I think. Might be Kentucky. Might be Indiana. I'm not sure. They finished 20th, by the way. But it's great to see all these local schools. So I'm I'm pretty pumped. And hopefully this will be the second year that I'm not sick and my voice is full strength for the wrestling tournament. That's me knocking on wood. Now we go to a little bit sadder news. We're talking G-Walk Survivor. Half the schools have been shipped off and they'll go play in their Miami Valley League. Trotwood Madison was originally scheduled to be part of the remaining G-Walk schools. They have been voted off the island. That's uh, the host hitting the flame with the stick and now they got to find their way back towards the studio or something. I don't know. That show's fake. The Greater Western Ohio Conference, this is by Mark Pendleton of the Dayton Daily News, voted to dismiss Trotwood, and dismiss is in quotes, dismiss Trotwood Madison High School from the area's largest affiliation. That will leave G-Walk with eight schools. Because Lebanon is moving to the Eastern Cincinnati Conference and a little bit of Fort Ancient Valley Conference Reunion with Kings. I want to say Milford, but I think they were in the GMC, the Greater Miami Conference, before they moved to the ECC. Technically, West Claremont's a combination of Glen Esty and Amelia. Yeah, because Bactavia is still a school and Amelia is not. I really wish they kept the Barons' name instead of the Wolves, but that's okay. What, 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 what's my opinion matter? I'm a podcaster. So there you go. So the eight remaining G-Walk schools will be Beaver Creek, Centerville, Kettering Fairmont, Miamisburg, Northmont, Springboro, Springfield, and Wayne. The Northmont to Springboro trip, not the most pleasant because you're talking, I guess that's not too terribly far. You hit 75 and there you go. There's Springboro. It's just on the other side of Dayton, but we're talking northwest Montgomery County, which, like I said, find 70 to 75. That's not a bad trip. Springfield will be the eastmost school all the way in the middle of Clark County. That'll be the longest trip for Springboro. In the battle of who's got the better spring. Not spring, the box spring. Sorry, that's a mattress commercial. Is that mattress crafters? With that commercial? I don't know. I'm getting off topic. Sorry. Beginning the 2020-21 school year, it's Beaver Creek, Centerville, Fairmont, Miamisburg, Northmont, Springboro, Springfield, and Wayne. Lebanon's heading to the ECC. Trotwood Madison voted out, and the remaining GWAC schools are leaving after this year to form the Miami Valley League. So two schools are being leaving the GWAC. 
Like I mentioned, that's a 10-team Miami Valley League. The Northern schools, that'll help them because they're literally just on 75. Sydney, Piqua, Troy, and Tip. Tippecanoe, sorry. Tip City is the city. That's Vandalia, Butler, Fairborn, Greenville, Piqua, Sydney, Stebbins, Tippecanoe, Troy, West Carrollton, and Xenia. So your worst trip out of the bunch is Sydney to Xenia, which is a long interstate trip. 75 to 35. And 35 East past North Fairfield is not fun because no one knows how to drive. And if you hit a rush hour, you're going to be stuck for a while. They really need just to make 35 a freeway and just make all those roads that intersect it between Alpha and Xenia into on-ramps. I know that costs money. And I know Shakertown ends right at a slant on 35 East, but... That's what I do. But again, I'm not a construction worker. I'm a guy talking to you about local sports. Wow. I've went off topic a lot lately. Anyway, that's your Miami Valley League. Butler, Vandalia Butler, Fairborn, Greenville, Piqua, Sydney, Stebbins, Tippecanoe, Troy, West Carrollton, and Xenia. And also, last month, Lebanon announced they'll leave the G-Walk in 2020-21 for the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. Again, They'll have that nice rivalry with Kings. I think that's the closest school down south. Maybe Mason, but Mason's in the Jeep back. Well, the GMC, sorry. Troutwood Madison principal Raymond Caruther said that they didn't think the vote would be enough to go through. It tipped against us once Lebanon lost their voting privileges. Leaving. Troutwood football and boys basketball. Muscle emoji. They're quite good. Everything else, eh. And also, Eric Sparr, the commissioner of the G-Walk, cited schedule concerns, a disparity in enrollment, which it has went down for Troutman Madison, and the inability to field teams below varsity levels in some sports, meaning you have varsity and that's it. Which I get. I mean, you want to have healthy school district where... You know, you got JV teams, you got varsity teams. You want the growth to go through. You don't just want to throw middle schoolers turning freshmen into the fires. Like, here you go, varsity time. I get it. But what's Tropwood Masson going to do now? What league do you really think that Tropwood Masson's going to join? I was gnawing on this idea, and there's a couple options. Tropwood Masson can stay independent. Like Witten Woods, except Witten Woods is now joining the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, which great for the Warriors. That's a good ad. But with independent, you have a tough time, you know. If you schedule tough in football, you can get in the playoffs. I mean, it just really depends on computer points. It's a little tougher to schedule, but it can be done. And I think Dropman Madison could do that. Miami Valley League? No. I don't think that's an option because they turned down Tropwood Madison. In fact, Tropwood Madison was the only American division team in the G-Walk to not join the Miami Valley Conference. Miami Valley League, excuse me. And they said no. And now the G-Walk's voting out the Rams. So G-Walk, maybe a reunion in the future. I doubt it. We'll see. Central Buckeye Conference, since Tropwood Madison is what? D3 in football? Maybe. I don't know. I don't see the Southwestern Buckeye League as an option for Troutwood Madison. It could be. I'm not sure. Troutwood's got the smallest enrollment of all the current GWAC members, which surprised me, with 361 boys, 320 girls, including, according to the most recent education management information system numbers, by the Ohio Department of Education in 2017. Garufer saying that the inability to field JV and freshman teams is not a legitimate concern. I mean, sometimes you'll have varsity-only games. It happens. But if it's a consistent trend, uh, I don't know. Frank Russo, who's now the AD, taking over for Guy Fogle, uh, trauma medicine. Hearing the leaders wanting to move on without us, that was really tough. He was a longtime LaSalle track and field coach. 
now at Trotwood Madison, just listening to everyone saying we're not wanted, we're not a fit. Sparks said the vote was 8-1 to one to dismiss Trotwood from the G-Walk, where Trotwood did not get to vote on their own say. And Spar was the only one to vote to keep the Rams in the conference. All the schools said, nah. That is tough, and I, I do feel bad about Trotwood Madison. According to the article on Dayton Daily News, again, Mark Pendleton, Russo said they'll reach out to other conferences. Like I said, Central Buckeye, maybe. Southwestern Buckeye League, I can't see it. Maybe the Metro Buckeye Conference, that's a possibility, but that's those are pretty small schools. Jefferson Township is part of that conference. They don't have football either, so that would mean you have to be independent for football and everything else you can be part of the Metro. That's a possibility. I don't see Trotwood looking into the Cincinnati conferences. That's possible, but that travel, I mean, the closest one would be the Greater Miami Conference, where your northmost school is Middletown. Middletown is eastern Butler County, and not so far up north. We're talking, you have to go, what is it, three exits before you reach Middletown, past Austin Landing? And Trotman Madison is northwest Montgomery County. Not so northwest like Northmont, which hugs the county lines, but yeah, that's kind of a trek. Just for Middletown. And the rest of the schools are located northern Cincinnati area. Milford would be the longest trip. And we're talking on the other side. You're talking Claremont County. That's a trek. So I don't see the GMC being an option, but I don't know. So Trotwood Madison is out. Where do the Rams go? Looks like they're prepared to start independent and then maybe see what fits. Best of luck to Trotwood Madison. I want to see you Rams do well. Also, I'm being told a couple minutes ago, John Chamberlain, who follows me on Twitter, also said that's a new assist record for the Elks with Drew Schemmel's Seven, I had him for eight, but uh, congrats to Schemmel. That was quite the performance in that game. Also, speedy recovery for John Chamberlain. I don't want to go over the injury. I looked over it again, and I was wondering if I was wrong on my initial call, but speedy recovery, John. Get well. I want to see you back with the Elks as soon as possible, but make sure you can go out there again. I tell you, he's got two injuries. That's that's a tough freshman. And you got to be tough to play hockey, but at the same time, hats off. I know I couldn't do it. One check and I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, wait, you have to skate in hockey. Yeah, <laughs> that ain't happening. How about the other interesting notes to wrap up episode 75? 47 minutes. Wow. This will be my longest episode in a while. That new Crew SC Stadium plans, they look great. I can't wait to see it built. It'll be Arena District west of the Clippers Stadium, Huntington Stadium. And personally, I think it's great. And I think it's not only great because of the fact that it's a new stadium, but Mafre Stadium, it's not just going to sit in the wind. It's going to become a multi-sports venue. I think that's pretty boss. It's going to be mostly for youth sports but I still think reusing that facility great job Columbus I'm really proud of you I'm very very happy that you saved the crew I think the final stamp still needs to be laid on D and Jimmy Haslam's going to buy the crew of course from Anthony Precourt and he can sliver on to Austin and try to you know sell snake oil down there I still angry about the whole situation you don't uproot a team like that and just let Moffray Stadium fall apart just like oh I tried think about this as I try to unanger myself we're going to have two MLS teams next season within an hour of each other hell is real that's the series I'm not just cussing because ha ha Look at me, I can cuss. No, it's called the Hell is Real series because of the sign that you pass on 71 
There's a similar sign east of Springfield, and I thought that was it, but no. It's, what is it, the Ten Commandments? Just past State Route 72? You know what I'm talking about. Think about it. Two great MLS teams. If FC Cincinnati does their justice and gets more great signings, they still have to pick an affiliate, and I think Indy 11 be a fantastic one. I think it'd be ironic if they picked Louisville City, but I don't see that happening. Then again, I've been wrong before. It'd be cool to see a USL team back in Dayton, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, personally, that'd be cool for me, you know, because I'd be the first one with my resume in front. PA announcer, broadcaster, whatever you need more, fill me in. Give me that job. That'd be so great to come back to college, or, well, summer soccer. Collegiate summer soccer, we have the Dutch Lions in Dayton and Cincinnati, but I mean, like, pro team. I'd love to see that. Also think about this. Pretty soon you're going to have two MLS teams in Cincinnati and Columbus with brand new stadiums. The West End's going to get the brand new Stargell Stadium. I don't know if they're going to keep that name or not, but the new stadium's going to be on Stargell. The new Stargell's moving, what is it, southwest corner of the lot? So it'll be open for 2019. The new stadium won't be for a couple seasons. And then Columbus's stadium. But enough stadium talk. How about those coaches and signings? Alan Koch is still the head coach of FC Cincinnati. He's still the manager, and he will take this young pride of Lions into the new territory of MLS. And this article from WKRC, which is Local 12 in Cincinnati, the CBS affiliate, which they picked up the CBS affiliate in 1996, and there's a YouTube video out there where Dan Rather's in Cincinnati celebrating the move. Originally, it was Channel 9, but that that's not important. What is important, FC Cincinnati signing five players for MOS. Again, this is from WKRC, the CBS affiliate in Cincinnati. Blake Smith, Justin Hoyt, midfielders Jimmy McLaughlin, and Nazmi Abadawi, and forward Emily Welshman are going to be joining the MOS team. Smith will be returning to MOS. He played with the Montreal Impact in 2013-14 and Smith will occupy a domestic roster spot in Cincinnati's roster you get so many domestic roster spots so many international roster spots I believe that's how that works Smith signed with FC Cincinnati in 2018 February 5th to be exact 30 appearances as left back and scored a goal for assist in 28 starts so he's now with the MOS squad Abadwali, he's 27. He'll be on an MOS roster for the first time after playing four seasons in the North American Soccer League, which is kind of up in the air. They're no longer Division Two, and I don't know if they're a thing anymore. They, it was a career with North Carolina FC 2014-17, and in with FC Cincinnati last year. He's a United States citizen as well. Also named to the Palestine's roster for a training camp spot in Doha, Qatar, as well as four international friendlies prior to the 2019 AFC Asian Cup. That's pretty impressive when you can represent your home nation. So I expect to see that. There's been a couple of FC Cincinnati members being told they won't be kept. And Indy 11 signed most of them. So, like I mentioned, that's what I expect to see in terms of affiliation. Columbus still has their affiliation with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, which Pittsburgh had a really nice year this year, too. And Welshman, in the article, again, Local12.com, this is from a week ago. He's talking about his experience with FC Cincinnati. And Coach Coke said... Emery Welshman's a player that can make everyone else around him better. Selfless player, selfless person. He's willing to do what the team needs, and I'm excited to see him showcase himself in MLS. 
I can't wait to see FC Cincinnati's first MLS season. And I can't wait to see Columbus stay in Columbus where they belong. Speaking of Columbus, not official yet because, again, the sale to the Haslam's is not quite finalized. But sporting director and head coach Greg Berhalter, you know he is now the leader of the United States men's national team. He left after a few seasons with Columbus Crew, and now there's an opening. Actually, there might be two openings. More on that later. From MassiveReport.com, Caleb Porter is close to being named the next head coach of the crew. Caleb Porter was the head coach of the Portland Timbers, especially in their MOS Cup win in Columbus. So he has experience at Mafre, and he has experience against the black and gold. Again, nothing finalized, but it looks good, and I think this is a smashing hire. Did quite well with the Portland Timbers, and I can't wait to see him lead the black and gold. The potential new ownership group gave Massa Report no comment. They are the Columbus Crew SC community on SB Nation. They do a very nice job covering the crew. Also, if you followed Ohio soccer for a long time, he began his career at the University of Akron in 2006. By the way, Akron fell in the College Cup. So they were national champion runner-ups, which is pretty darn awesome. Akron Zips program just solid. It really started with Caleb Porter. He led the Zips to the Division I championship, defeating Louisville in the final game. Also named the United States Under-23 national team manager, who was unable to guide the Americans to the 2012 Olympic Games. Started with the Portland Timbers, made the move in August 2012, and guided Portland to a 14-5-15. and 15. That's, I believe that's wins, losses, and draws. And a first place finish in the Western Conference. Well, it has to be. If you have 15 losses, I don't think you're in first place. Especially when it's an under 500 record. But 57 points. That remains a club record for Portland. Also named the coach of the year that year. Reached the MLS Cup Final his next year. And defeated Burhalter and Columbus 2-1 to one to win their first league title. Very impressive. Kind of parting of the ways afterwards... He was limelighting while traveling, watching soccer, and confirmed to Paul Tenorio of The Athletic they met with Orlando City SC. He was offered the job, but he said no. So exciting to see that Porter should be the head coach of the Columbus Crew SC. He has experience lifting trophies at Mafre Stadium, one spot time crew stadium also turned down a job offer from the LA Galaxy. Now the big question, and I think I touched on this a little bit, would Caleb Porter also be the sporting director? Meaning, you know, the GM types, and he signs his own players and then coaches them. I don't know. Bruce Arena was in the running for the crew job, and with Porter possibly being hired as head coach, again I say possible because, you know, the sale hasn't been finalized yet, but it looks like it will be. Maybe Arena takes over as GM. I don't know. Again, that is from MassiveReport.com, the SB Nation group for the Columbus crew. Now we look at college hockey again. This is ACHA, non-scholarship. It's club hockey, but still, it's pretty darn good hockey. A lot of local schools have... Clubs, Wright State, Dayton, Miami's got a club too, along with a varsity club. Cincinnati, Xavier, Ohio State, Ohio, Akron, Toledo, Bowling Green. I know Pittsburgh does. Pittsburgh's part of the story too. But the main important tagline, the Cincinnati Bearcats will be leaving the T, which is the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League, after the season and will be replaced with the Hoosiers of Indiana. That's now an eight-team 
conference with four in the north, four in the south, Dayton Flyers, Ohio State's in there. The Wright State used to be in there, but now the Raiders are... I'm still sad that Wright State and Dayton aren't even playing each other anymore. Granted, the series has been leaning Flyers' way for quite some time now. It was Wright State's way when I first started broadcasting for the Raiders. I think it was six wins, six draws against UD. I think. And then UD just started racking off win after win after win. They're not even playing each other this year, which made me sad. But I think Wright State's still trying to build up their team. I know Troy Trojan goalie Enrique Alejandre is doing his best with the Raiders, and that's cool to see local talent stay local. Adam Baum of the Cincinnati Enquirer also mentioned late October that Elders Charlie Garnett and Elders Matt Mahan, they were battling each other. Garnett's with the Ohio Bobcats, and Mahan's with the Xavier Musketeers. He's staying in town, and he gets to play his home games. I think it's Sports Plus... I think. I know Cincinnati plays Sports Plus. Anyway, the Bearcats will be going independent, which means they schedule games. That's convenient for them. The Pittsburgh Panthers are also doing the same thing as well. They'll be independent as well, and the Indian Hoosiers are entering the T. Also, speaking of Indiana, the Pacers. What a great season the Pacers are having. Great defensive year. I'm excited to see what Indiana can do. I'm not saying they're going to dethrone the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they could, but it'll be interesting to see what Indiana does. The Pacers hired the first female assistant GM and Kelly Crosscup, a name that I've talked about. If you remember the eSports episode, she helped run the Pacers e-game, eSports gaming league. And also the longtime WNBA executive, Help making the Indiana Fever a strong program as the GM and president for 17 years before taking over the Pacers eSport team in the NBA 2K League last year. Working under President Kevin Pritchard, who's been with Indiana since 2011, CrossCup helped the Fever build a title contender, winning the title in 2012 and reaching the finals in 2009 and 2015. I think that's a pretty nice hire. And not just because, oh, she's a woman. No. Kelly Crosscup has a lot of basketball experience. And don't tell me, it's different because women played it. <sighs> no. They're playing the same sport. And I think Crosscup will do a nice job with the Pacers. So, big hire. And I think she'll do quite well under Kevin Pritchard. And learn more from Pritchard as well. Now... The last thing I want to mention, I'm thankful we have Columbus Blue Jackets games on 1410 ESPN. I listen to them when I'm in the car. My big problem is, why don't we have Cleveland Cavalier games or Indiana Pacers games? I'd listen to both. I really would. Maybe have a one one game a day or something like that. What One game a day. That'd be cool, but I mean one game a week, you know, if I can get my scheduling right. I would really love to hear Indiana Pacers games. As you might know on Twitter, I surf the AM waves trying to find stations. I picked up stations from New York, Minneapolis, Chicago, Philadelphia, I believe. I think I've reached Kansas City. I don't remember on that. The one city that I would like to reach, also Detroit, too. I listen to Detroit Station. The one stations I can't reach, Indianapolis, and it's two hours away. What's that about? Actually, I heard that Indy's AM station that carries Pacers games doesn't have that strong of a signal. We're not talking 700 signal. We're not even talking, you know, a signal I can get from Greenville when I'm doing games for WTGR, which I have won this year. I would love to hear Pacers games. I'd love to hear Cavaliers games. I know that probably makes me some type of fraud being fans of both of those teams, but... Why not NBA games? We have two sports stations. What's the other one doing? Oh, they have Miami Red Hawk games, which is cool. And I listen to those games. Steve Baker does a nice job with the Hawks. But what else you got going on until spring where the Dragons start up again? I know Wings got Ohio State hoops and also Blue Jackets games every Thursday or Friday. 
Also, hopefully Mark Schlemmer is doing better. He is taking a leave from the show. That guy is a good friend of mine, and I certainly hope he is recovering and able to rest. So yeah, how about some NBA games on local radio? That'd be cool. I got to listen to maybe the last 10 seconds of a Bulls game, also a Blackhawks game too. I like listening to AM. I like listening to radio games. If the broadcasters do a serviceable job, you can kind of picture where the players are with the ball, with the puck. Now, of course, if you don't have someone that knows that, hey, it's radio, we don't know where things are. We can't see unless we're listening to it at the rink or at the venue. But most of the time, we're not. I mean, that's how I call my games. I know I have a video camera on the ice, and sometimes I have a camera person to help me out. But I still call it like a radio game. Just because that's that's my style. I'm I'm a radio broadcaster. It's just too bad no one will hire me in the Sunday area, but that's beside the point. So yeah, Pacers and Cavs games. Let's bring them to Dayton. Or Cincinnati even. I can get 1530. I can get 1360. Unless I'm driving on Marshall, then those big power lines kind of break it up and I get 1410 in that. But there you go. Hey, guess what? You survived episode 75. If you have made it all the way through... Congratulations, you can have a cookie or something. It's great to be recording back on Monday. Hopefully this is a trend. My next broadcast, well, I'm doing the Mayor's Cup, which is something I forgot to talk about. Once upon a time, the Mayor's Cup used to be a trophy presented by the Dayton Mayor or someone in the Mayor's office. This is the story I'm hearing. I don't know how true it is or not. Now it's at South Metro, and there's four teams, the host Centerville Elks, the Alternites, the Beaver Creek Beavers, and the Troy Trojans. There's six games between those four teams, and I'll have all of them on YouTube for you. Follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon, and you can watch along to catch high school hockey. I can't wait to see how those teams do. Centerville's looking for back-to-back-to-back Mayor's Cups. They have won it ever since I became their play-by-play voice. You can give me credit. No, that's the teams. I just talk, and you watch, hopefully. Don't give me any credit, please. So I'm excited to do that, and I'm excited to finish episode 75. It's a milestone. If you told me that I was actually going to keep up with this podcast for a year and a half, I would have laughed at your face. But for me, this podcast is about sharing my love of local sports since, you know, we don't have a lot of that around Dayton anyway. And maybe it'll get me a job, even though I said I'm having a tough time finding a job in the area, and that's probably not the wisest idea, but there we go. That will do it. Episode 75, episode 76. Hopefully it's about the holiday tournament for the GMVWA, but... We'll see as the week goes on. This is Lee W. Mallon signing off on the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for episode 76. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.